could look at this as the beginning of the end of the advertising fucking model on the internet. Uh, and then last year, Procter Gamble took out 140 million dollars worth of advertising, and it had almost no effect. Few brands are actually thinking about around trust as the as the key issue. How they're using people's data has never really been a question. I want to see a rebalance of media to creative. If you make good stuff, then you will reach audiences regardless of where you're going to put it on what platform. Hello and welcome to BBH Labs, a podcast about marketing. My name is Richard Cable and each episode I ask a different burning question about marketing and invite interesting people with strong opinions to answer it. If you like what you hear, you can now subscribe through iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud and pretty much any other podcast app you care to mention and we'll bring every new podcast to you as it drops. This episode we're talking about Facebook Gate the data scandal that's enveloped everybody's favourite ad platform and sometimes social network, and asking what the deal is, what it means for brands and consumers, and if indeed Facebook can change its ways even if it wants to. Joining me at very short notice are BBH Head of Strategy Ben Shaw, former head of BBH's Social Specialism Live, and Jack Colchester, data strategist and the man who bought you Hodor's epic chicken with rice. Can you give me the executive summary of Facebook game? Uh, Yes. (laughs) Cambridge Analytica uh, was a bit of a conspiracy theory about a month ago of a uh, a shady company based in England that had allegedly swung the US election. Um, that allegedly they had been buying Facebook data illegally, um, 50 million profiles, uh, and using this m- information to micro-target people in the States. Uh, and that's pretty much it, I think, from a top-level point of view. And Facebook knew about it. Well, Facebook knew about it for quite a while, a couple of years, yeah. and asked for them to stop, and Cambridge Analytica said they did, so Facebook said, cool. But it's important to say that Facebook didn't actually do anything illegal. Yes. So they never sold yes. any data. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, all they've done is say that they've breached, there's been a breach of trust. Mm-hmm. Right. So what is, what is micro-targeting? Micro-targeting is trying to get down to much, much smaller segments of audiences that you want to try and extend your communications to, so it's not one blanket message to everyone in the same way that through advertising we've done uh, done it through the years of figuring out who your target audience is, is that we can now, using digital platforms, get down to a very, very small segment of people that have different messages for different segments. So, for instance... Uh uh, at KFC, we used to try and target people who were hungover, <laughs> uh, which was an interesting uh, way of micro-targeting. Didn't work. <laughs> but the way I understand it is like Cambridge Analytica were doing uh, psychographic, or they claimed they were doing kind of sophisticated psychographic micro-targeting. So as Christopher Wiley put it, uh, in his evidence, he said, we exploited Facebook to harvest millions of people's profiles and built models to exploit what we knew about them and target their inner demons. Mm. Uh, that was the basis the entire company was built on, or as he put it rather more succinctly, he built Steve Bannon's psychological warfare mindfuck machine. So what, what is the difference between psychographic targeting and good old-fashioned bog-standard demographic targeting? I think it's in the mindfucking which is, it's psychographic is trying to drive behavior change through um, inner attitudes and... Behavior. Beha- and oh, no. Mindset. Well, yeah, mindset. Attitude. Whereas our normal version of targeting is thinking about um, who you are and what you're doing, and therefore you're more prevalent to take a different form of behavior another step in the journey. And so it's the difference between targeting... Jack going, 
He is in his mid to late 20s. Yeah, easy. Uh, mid to late 20s and in London and works in Soho and may be interested in a new craft beer pub that's opening up. <laughs> versus going, Jack is a far-right white nationalist <laughs> <laughs> and would be interested in the end of days in yeah. England and therefore let's try and incite some hatred yeah. in him. What, what, what's interesting is you Jack don't... Jack isn't a far no, right no. nationalist. But I don't think you'd need to... Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> I don't think you'd alle- allegedly need to illegally, illegally download Facebook data no. to know that. No, true. And that's what, I, that's what I find fascinating in the whole thing is that what is, what is this micro... I mean, sorry, what are these um, like psychrometric data sets that they managed mm-hmm. to get a hold of mm-hmm. the 50 million people that they have data on what does this data look like that is different to what mm-hmm. you can just get access through via Facebook well there was I did read somewhere that um, apparently if, if Cambridge Analytica had just been a bit more patient and spent a bit more money they could have achieved the same yeah. Yeah. results yeah. 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 attained the data well, yeah. allegedly yeah. that they yeah. allegedly attained illegally they could have, they, they could have yeah I think, I think that's right and I think because you can you can essentially build exactly the same thing through uh, Facebook targeting that already exists by looking at interest groups yeah. by looking at um, all the information that people have shared through their profile and activity on Facebook yeah. the difference is that you're making inferences rather than taking it directly from data yeah so is it that like essentially that they were using Facebook entirely as it was intended to be used it was just the it's data. an excellent there's use a, of platform there's a question about how the data was Obtain, yeah, yeah. It's it's how how the data was acquired and what they're using it for. Which is the majority of people accept in a capitalist society that brands are interested in trying to get you to spend more on them. When it comes to political means, um, political goals is that people accept that political parties want you to vote for them, and so they they will engage in communications which push you to do that it's I think it's the difference of you know especially in England compared to the states where it isn't as bitey in how narky we get between the parties is that people don't expect political parties or groups to try and cause chaos and division between a country yeah and that was the big difference I think of why people are so shocked at the the real goals of what they were trying to do with this work. So it's yeah. really an ethical question. Um, I, th- I think it's, I think a public outrage has been that people never really understood the Facebook business model of we will give you access to people's data and that you can micro-target people. There's been a lot of um, outrage at people finally understanding the level of data that all these digital platforms have on them. And then secondly, people going, hold on, you are actively trying to change my change my mind and use it as a as a war, as a tool of mind warfare. And so, isn't I mean, isn't that kind of what that's the deal with Facebook? Though, isn't it? You they give you this wonderful free platform that lets you connect yeah. with everybody around the world and do all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah. And in return, you give them all your data. Yeah, I think it's normally the case is if the product's free, then you are the product. Typically, um, and that's the thing. Actually, when you look at Facebook, it's, this is just the this is just lifting the skirt yeah. of the rest of the internet. And yeah. it's you know you could look at this as the beginning of the end of the advertising funding model on the internet, which is it became the best way to do it, which is trying to charge charge people a tax 
through attention and data. Yeah. But the whole internet model is completely screwed, and it's only, we're only just starting <laughs> to see um, things come out like Patreon, like yeah. subscriber-based models, yeah. where you get quality because ultimately what you're getting with the internet is it's still going 95% of all of the content there isn't very good and people are only willing to pay for that top 5%. Is it a question of like Facebook is unique in the way it uses data? Uh, mm, I, I mean everybody collects an absolute shit ton of data. You know, like <laughs> yeah. I, read, I read somewhere like Google has already acquired more data about other human beings and the Stasi that they put together. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, you know, the, the purpose for which they use yeah. the page is obviously yeah. slightly I, different. But I, it's the, I think the difference with Facebook and what their business model has been built on and their shift potentially from micro-targeting to um, broadcasting at scale mm. is the scale part which is anybody can collect vast amounts of data as soon as you start accessing any sort of digital service. The reason why Facebook has exploded in marketing terms is that they can turn around and go, we can reach 60, 70, 80% of the population using these techniques. Yeah, it's, it's the scale of it. Like, I've always quite liked how Twitter are very open about what they do with their data and they sell it. And they, and they 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 make eight hundred million dollars a year just selling data, uh, because they've always said we're a, pub, we're a public platform. Everything you say is is public, um, but Facebook never say that, and they they've always said that we're a very private organisation. So obviously this is a big moment for them. <laughs> um, so um, just changing tax slightly. So going back to the micro targeting question, I mean you talked a bit before about Procter and Gamble. Yeah. Uh, explain what happened there. I think it's just, it's all happened, this has all happened at such an interesting time, just because 2017 was the first year where brands is now spending more online than offline, um, but as the spend online has increased, more and more advertisers are questioning the effectiveness of it. Uh, and then last year, Procter & Gamble took out $140 million worth of advertising and it had almost no effect on their business yeah, results. Removed. removed $140 million worth of ad spend. Um, so a lot of people have been questioning whether it's right to micro-target, is it effective, uh, especially with Bar and Sharp saying, you know, reach everyone, talk to everyone. Uh, and Facebook in the last couple of years have acknowledged that and said, yeah, it's micro-targeting isn't as effective as we hoped it was. We're now going to do these things called reach and frequency buyers where you're, you're essentially buying huge amounts of reach on Facebook. Guaranteeing eyeballs. Guaranteeing eyeballs. Um, and then suddenly this comes out and... Cambridge Analytica comes out and, and, and suggests allegedly that they swing the election um, by micro-targeting. Right. And I think so both Ben and I's point of view on that is, and as a, as a data strategist working with data on a daily basis, data on its own isn't enough. You need to have a message that's so impactful that it will uh, incite or create behavioral change. Uh, and I think Cambridge Analytica were a lot stronger on the latter than the former, i.e. they incited mm. rage and anger, um, which created impact. It just happened to be through micro-targeting. So a better propaganda machine, allegedly, than, yeah. a, than, than, a, a, than, a, than a data yeah, machine. Exactly. Awesome. So, um, so I mean, does, does, does micro-targeting work? Yes. Micro-targeting micro works. I think it's the... If, if you've got a message. If, if you've got the right message yeah. and it is part of, 
it is part of the communications mix. There has been a huge swing towards, um, you know, programmatic is the answer to everything and every message should be targeted. I think yeah. when you look at exactly as Jack said, what, um, what Byron Sharp has talked about and what when you think about all of the uh, most successful communications campaigns, whether it's advertising or another field, is when you can try and get to a unique point of view that resonates with a lot of people. Micro-targeting works at certain points of the journey, pushing people through the funnel to maybe make a final purchase decision. It's The tricky thing is, is that we haven't figured out the efficiency question yet, and that is across social advertising and programmatic advertising, and that is because it's still such a nascent industry, you know. Um, if you talk to a met, to Joe Public on the street and say the word programmatic, they'll think you're a nutter. Um, most people in the industry have only just learned how to spell it. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's, we're still at such a young age that I don't yeah. think we've ever, we're, we're only at the foothills of figuring out how to use it properly. Okay, so <clears throat> in terms of like, what, what is the Facebook scandal? What does it mean for brands? The biggest thing that Facebook that not just this not just this scandal but GDPR is bringing in is a need for brands to really really think about um, their social impact and so there's been a huge move towards purpose in the last few years of brands going like everybody every brand can save the world in some way um, but very very few brands are actually thinking about around trust as the as the key issue between uh, brands and consumers and how they're using people's data it's never really been a question GDPR has forced a hand on a lot of it but it's actually going how are they impacting the environment not just the, the real world environment and climate change and all of those things mm. but the digital environment and the ecosystem that they all live in Ben, ben and I did a talk <coughs> about uh, is media killing social media and basically how brands are massively disrupting in a bad way the digital Ecosystem and Facebook is basically littered in adverts, uh, all claiming to be programmatic. But the average person spends 1.2 seconds on Facebook, like uh, on the average ad going out on Facebook. But people really don't care about this massive surge in advertising going out there. And I think our whole proposition is about how brands can be additive to that culture rather than disrupting it. Uh, and that's normally by creating great entertainment. Well, how, how kind of how brands react to? I haven't seen any brand say anything, let alone react to it. Um, Mozilla were the only ones who came out and said that they were stopping Facebook advertising. Uh, Elon Musk was asked a question on Twitter whether whether he should still be getting involved in Facebook, and then promptly, um, <laughs> I would say, and deleted it. I would say that's quite a big reaction. Yeah, yeah. Share, yeah. um, she she stopped using. Share, Share stopped using yeah, it. But there's, there is, you know, there's, there is a YouTube went through a terrible time last yeah. year with brand safety, yeah. and this is essentially the same question, which is, can brands trust the programmatic model, and are they using consumer data in the right way? Yeah, and everybody pulled out of YouTube, and I haven't seen anybody pull out of Facebook. No, but I think that's different, though, because I think it, it's almost hypocritical for a brand to pull out of Facebook yeah. now, yeah, yeah, saying, yeah. oh, God, they're misusing data. I don't think they could. I think... Why hypocritical? Because they're micro-targeting. They're using the same, <laughs> they're using yeah. the same techniques. Same techniques. Um, 
And it also can bring into question, it could turn around and shine a light on how they have been using that data and it's only because of GDPR that they will use it responsibly going forward. Yeah. Because I mean, like, um, was it Mike, Matt Dyke, sorry, from uh, Analog Folk said that brands have been salivating over the potential of Facebook data uh, and in fact have pushed Facebook hard to make more of this data available yeah. to them, which hasn't always been forthcoming. So it feels like, you know, so, is it, is it something that brands and <coughs> Facebook need to arrive at a solution together? Or should brands be, you know, chucking Facebook under the bus in an act of self-preservation? I think brands will always be interested in the most efficient and effective form of communication, whoever is going to offer that to them. Um, and the reality is that Facebook have offered that for the last few years. And so... That's why I think that, that relationship hasn't necessarily soured. The, the, what brands need to then weigh up is that efficiency and effectiveness of their communications versus the trust that they could potentially lose in the public if they find out about their own advertising means. Yeah, I think they'll probably get thrown under the bus. I think it with so digital ad spend on online videos, 80% of digital ad spend on online videos goes to Facebook or Google at the moment. Uh, there's a massive crisis in trust when it comes to spending money online from advertisers. Um, and I think too often Facebook have been spinning this yarn of all this data and billions and billions of impressions. And actually what's going on is visibility is very low. Almost mm. no people are clicking through it. It's basically turning into a massive site for banner ads. Um, and brands aren't seeing results. So I think they'll probably this this could be the, the last straw. So how I mean, how are consumers reacting to it? What have you seen? I've seen complete apathy and absolute outrage. <laughs> so there's there's people who understand that there's been some sort of data breach and then they're being targeted in some way, and they go, "Yeah, isn't that what people have always been doing?" Then at the other end of it there are people who are actually finding out about the level of data that is being collected on a daily basis by their interactions with these platforms and just being shocked that they were giving all of that away and you know there's some of it is justified some of it be because there's no need to collect it the other side of the coin is that a lot of that data is the exact thing which makes those platforms work so well and be so useful to us i think people only um, are going to really care about it when it when something terrible happens to them personally or there is actual proof of a massive impact in something like an election which we haven't got yet yeah. there is a, I, was, I was reading um, somebody sort of commented on this and said that, that Facebook's use of data is so arcane so complex you couldn't grasp it Yeah, I was looking through my own Google data the other day and you forget <coughs> that they're looking at every video that I've ever watched since 2009 is on there. Every place I've been to since 2012 is there in terms of where I've been walking. Um, the, the amount of data that they have on me is staggering. Uh, and as Ben said, is, you know, so far it's been okay, but if that data fell into the wrong hands, I mean, I could, I could arguably find out whether my wife was actually at home at the moment 
or right. you know who should, should she? oh I, I might check it out <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean if, the, if that data fell into the wrong hand not my hands but you know yeah. uh, someone more dodgy then it could uh, the ramifications could be relatively significant there was, there was a great quote from uh, Parks and Rec that mm. hit the front page of Reddit yesterday which was a person should not have to have an advanced law degree to avoid being taken advantage of by a multi-billion dollar company and I think that's the real issue of which hopefully we'll start to see a change in interaction between organisations and individuals in how they're using our data and do we actually understand it. Yeah. And for me, like what, what, you know, as, as we become more connected via the internet, everything, the, the, the flow of data will continue to increase, obviously. And so as soon as our fridge is connected to the internet, then everything that we buy and Mm -hmm. that is in our fridge will be there. So, And the ramifications for stuff like AI and voice means that they essentially will be listening to not only every question I'm asking Alexa, but potentially everything that I say in my household will be re recorded. And I don't know whether consumers will start to worry about that more now they know that Google's monitoring every video I've ever watched since that's, 2009. That's the other thing, that the other door that this has opened is that and it's, it was a big chat, uh, a lot of the chat at South By, yeah. was we are just at the very, very early days of AI. Yeah. And it's AI that is only now just starting to properly influence programmatic and distribution of advertising and even creation of those ads. The We shouldn't be worried really about any of this alleged Cambridge Analytica stuff because we aren't very good at it. We aren't very good at AI at the moment. We should be worrying about in five, ten years' time when it's when it's so much more sophisticated than we could ever even imagine. Yeah. There was a one of the AI talks I went to was um, setting out some of that stall of the worry of where AI is going because Google's um, latest version of AI created its own AI baby to handle some of the more menial tasks that it couldn't be bothered to do. When the Google engineers looked at the coding that was in it, they saw that it was more advanced than even they could code themselves. And that is in 2018. So mm. where are we going to get to in 2028? That's where we should be worried about. Skynet. Yeah, exactly. Are there more skeletons in the closet? Do you think this is the end of it for Facebook, or are there more Cambridge Analyticas to be uncovered? So to get 50 million profiles, he only actually needed yeah. 50,000 people to download the app because if you could get yeah, third-party yeah. third access. Yeah. So presumably there's a lot more Facebook data out there that's been, that Facebook, uh, Facebook have given access to for these professors. That loophole has now been closed, hasn't it? But they, but yeah. they it's the, everybody who did it before yeah. 2012. But there's, there's two things to it. There's one which is the data breach. So yeah. have there been other mm. data breaches? Yeah. There's the other which is um, naughty use of Facebook as a mindfuck tool. So I think there's going to be a huge slew of, um, of more scandals coming out of just as people begin to understand the impact of yeah. constantly looking at a feed and how we can use that data. I, I personally think it's one of the things that people would be shocked at was knowing that Facebook can target you down to your precise location to a matter of meters. Knowing that you are near a store and being able to hit you with some advertising and knowing when you're walking in and out is something that people probably don't even realize their phone is tracking and they're passing on that information, not to not just to Facebook, but to commercial entities as well. It's 
little things like that which are standard products within Facebook's mix that people just don't understand they're giving all this data away to. So obviously Mark Zuckerberg came out and said, I promise to do better for you. Mm. He's going to clean up the shop. Yeah. But I guess the, the, the question is, if, like, if this is Facebook's primary business model, this type of use of data, yeah. is, it, is it possible for them to be better? I think, listen, they've lost 100 billion in the last week in market value. I think with GDPR coming out on the 25th of May, I don't really know enough about what the implications are for Facebook, but I know that you're not going to have, you're not going to be able to hold data on people that isn't essential for the business. And I don't know whether knowing if you're near a shop or not is mm -hmm. essential data, mm -hmm. but I, I suspect that the reason why there's been a big push for reach and frequency buys and buying mass reach over micro-targeting is because they're going to have to be relying more and more on reaching lots of people rather than targeting people on a very specific basis. I would love to sit here and say that I think it's the end of days for Facebook, mm. but I just don't think that there are enough other digital alternatives in terms of targeting and scale out there of where people would shift their money to is that they may shift a bit into more into Google and more into YouTube and maybe try mixing up with some other social platforms. But the reality is if you want to try and hit people on their phones, Facebook is still one of the best answers to. And unless their um, usage drops off a cliff, they're still going to be around. And they've had a fantastic acquisition strategy. And that when we talk about mm. Facebook, we're talking about Facebook Blue. Is that everybody, like, I love how Instagram and WhatsApp hasn't been brought into any of this question around whether Facebook can carry on existing. Yeah. Because it's the exact same techniques and exact same data. I want to see a rebalance of media to creative. I want to see a rebalance of rather than trying to say for every tw £20 we spend on media, we'll give £1 to creative. I think there's going to be a rebalancing of saying that if you make good stuff, then you will reach audiences regardless of whether you're going to put it on what platform. Um, and I think hopefully the days of just saying, right, we're going to buy 50 million eyeballs isn't working. And I think you can see it, what's happened with banner advertising is that it just doesn't really work. You need to have excellent creative content uh, and that can live anywhere. That's it for Facebook Gate. Thanks to Ben and Jack, and don't forget to subscribe. This episode is part of a double bill with our occasional new series, Tom and John Go Outside, and if you haven't already, have a listen to our past podcasts on branded entertainment and the rise of voice. In the meantime, if you want more from BBH Labs or Ben, Jack, or myself, you can find us at bbh-labs.com or on Twitter at bbhlabs. Thanks for listening. Nah.